Hey, welcome to More Than Bread, a podcast very simply celebrating the value of Scripture, the Word of God. When the Spirit of God opens up the Word of God, the people of God thrive. Because we need more than bread to thrive, more than stuff, more than job security, more than a great following on social media. We need to hear the voice of God. My name is Dan, and I'm your host for episode number 82 of More Than Bread. So far in all of these episodes, we've done a, a quick look in about 40 episodes or so through the New Testament, and then a deeper dive into the Gospel of John, and now we're doing a deeper dive into the Gospel of Mark. Uh, Another passion of mine, other than Scripture, is is prayer. If you were to ask me which is more important, prayer or the Word, I would answer you with another question. Well, I don't know. Tell me which is more important, breathing in or breathing out. Whichever one is next, right? We breathe in the Word, and we breathe out prayer. So I really love the prayers we find in the Bible. One of my all-time favorite prayers in the Bible is Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3, which ends with these words, Now to God, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all you ask for or can even imagine, to God be glory in the church forever and ever. Amen. God can do more than we can imagine. In fact, I would suggest to you that right now at this very moment, God is doing more than you can imagine, not just globally, but locally, not just in somebody else, but in you. And that's what I call a life without walls. You know, the Bible is full of promises and stories that that hint that hint of the possibility of living a life that is without walls. It's it's a life where just a touch can heal a heart and just a lunch can feed a valley. It's a life where forgiveness brings freedom and service brings joy. It's a life where tombs become wombs for a second chance and and giving all we have brings us days that we wish would never end. But in so many ways, we live our lives with walls. We, we get disconnected from God and from each other, from life. You know, in the beginning, a life with walls seems safe, but it's really just lonely. In these days, I think the whole world is looking for a connection. In fact, we were created for community. As Randy Frazee writes in his book, Making Room for Life, God designed us with a connection requirement. We were created for community. I, I love the way John Orberg says it. I believe that if you had to sum up in a single word what God is up to, what his goal is in creating the universe and the persons who inhabit it, that word would be community. This community, this business of community, rights, turns out to be something far deeper than just building a successful network of emotional support. It's not simply about loneliness avoidance. It is the reason why the universe exists and why you and I do as well. But we get disconnected, right? Sometimes even though we have a choice, we quarantine behind social media connections. We isolate through bitterness and busyness. We we live our lives with walls. And there's more than one way to paint a picture of disconnectedness of a life with walls. Uh, uh, imagine a mother or father sitting on the couch by the window waiting for their on-the-run child to make it safely home, or a foreign student on a strange college campus, or a divorced dad unlocking the door of his dark, empty apartment. A pregnant teenager realizing life may never be the same again. A a young man who hasn't seen his father for 16 years. If you have a few walls in your life and you feel disconnected, today's story in Mark's gospel is for you. Listen as I read Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 34 in the New Living Translation. Jesus got into the boat again. Uh, remember, we, we had that storm story in the last episode. Jesus got into the boat again, and he went to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. 
Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, My little daughter is dying. Please, he said, come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. And there was a woman in the crowd who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal for many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she'd gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, and so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe... I'll be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped. She could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched him? His disciples said, my goodness, Jesus, look at this crowd pressing around you. Who hasn't touched you? How can you ask who touched me? Verse 32, but he kept on looking around to see who had done it. And then this frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, she came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. So first we see Jairus. We find out later on that his daughter is 12 years old. His 12-year-old daughter is dying you talk about a disconnection, death is such a massive disconnection. We've seen those kinds of disconnections far too often in the last year or two. Hang on to this scene in your mind. Large crowd, everybody wants to be around Jesus. Jairus comes. The crowd parts because everyone knows Jairus. He's a a leader. He's a religious man. He has a family. And all he wants is is a touch for his daughter. You know, there's power in a touch, right? You know that? The Touch Research Institute, there's actually a Touch Research Institute at the University of Miami School of Medicine. It carried out, at the time I read this, it carried out more than 100 studies into touch and found evidence of significant effects, including faster growth in premature babies, reduced pain, decreased autoimmune disease symptoms, improved immune symptoms in people with cancer. But with Jesus, there was even more to the touch, more power, more life. And so Jesus goes with him and the crowd follows. Meanwhile, there's a woman in the crowd who's had a hemorrhage for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal for many doctors through the years, had gotten no better, spent everything she had to pay them, but gotten no better. In fact, she was worse. This woman is not even named. She's just a certain woman with a certain problem. In essence, she's lived with a bleeding uterus for 12 years, as long as Jairus' daughter has been alive. I mean, any woman here would struggle with a condition like this, but but it was even worse for a woman of her religious heritage. If, If you look at the Jewish instructions concerning the issue of blood in Leviticus chapter 15, you find that anyone who touches her, anything she touches will be unclean. The robe of Jesus that Jesus wore, the the crowd around. Anyone who touches her, anything she touches will be unclean. Whoever touches her better, sleeps with her, will be unclean for seven days. Unclean, defiled, stay away. No part of her life was unaffected. Sexually, she could not touch her husband. Maternally, she could not bear children. Domestically, anything she touched was considered unclean. No washing dishes, no making beds. Spiritually, she wasn't allowed to enter the temple. Unable to touch or be touched, isolated, disconnected from life-giving relationships, alone in a crowd. 
And, and you know, it's an interesting thing about crowds. It's easy to be selfish in a crowd. Everybody has their own agenda, and sometimes it's the crowd that creates the wall, right? Walls of people. Especially the crowd who hang out around Jesus. I mean, sometimes, please don't hear what I'm not saying, but hear what I am saying. Sometimes the people who hang out around Jesus create walls that keep people who need Jesus away from Jesus. Sometimes we keep people from Jesus. Sometimes the walls that disconnect us are walls of shame, not just walls of people, but walls of shame. Shame quarantines our hearts. It's an isolator, a disconnector. Maybe you have something from your past, a secret that you're afraid of revealing. Has shame kept you from connecting to others? Has the fear of being exposed kept you running? Has this sense that you didn't just do something bad, you are someone bad, and if I if I connect with someone, they're going to find out, has that kept you quarantined? What is it in you that you don't want anyone else to know about? What makes you run when someone gets close? What part of you do you keep covered? Maybe it's something else that isolates you. Maybe it's walls of discouragement. I mean, think about this. It's been 12 years. Imagine going through something, an illness, an isolation. Think Think going through a pandemic for 12 years instead of 18 to 24 months. 12 years ago, I was still in my 40s. I still had kids in high school and no grandkids. For 12 years, she's been disconnected, discouraged, defeated. It's hard to imagine so long ago. She's gone through so much. Look at what it says. She suffered much, spent all, and she's getting worse. Sometimes the walls that separate us from God or others are walls of discouragement. Sometimes they're walls of bitterness. Someone you cared about rejected you, abandoned you. Some of us listening feel abandoned by God. You do. You feel like God has abandoned you. In fact, you recently used those very same words. I mean, do you suppose this woman ever felt abandoned by God? See, the the problem with unhealed hurt is that it becomes bitterness, and bitterness disconnects us. So just stop for a moment. Can you see how badly this woman needs a friend? Can you see how much she needs to make a life-giving connection? She bears the burden of the hurt and the stigma of the shame. Not only is she isolated, she feels unworthy. She, She's disconnected. But here's one thing that she's not. She's not a quitter. For 12 years, she suffered many things from many doctors. You know, the, the Talmud, the, the, the religious text of the day, gave no less than 11 different cures for her condition. I bet she tried each and every one, even carrying the ashes of an ostrich egg in a linen cloth. I mean, she spent everything she has, and she's getting worse. Can you see yourself in the face of that certain nameless someone? Can you identify? I, I can. It's not easy, though, is it? She no longer dreams of marriage in a family, of combing her daughter's hair or cleaning her son's dirty face. She no longer dreams of spoiling grandkids or golden memories to take into her golden years. She's she's living a life with walls, disconnected, discouraged, dry, but she hasn't given up. (laughs) Twelve years go by and she's still trying stuff, still hoping against hope that the next remedy will bring a cure. The next stop will bring a touch that heals it. Sooner or later, the walls will come down. And then she met Jesus. Don't miss this. Not face to face. She met him from behind. She had heard about Jesus. If you think about it, it's pretty important for people to hear about Jesus. Somebody somewhere had talked about Jesus. 
To whom have you talked about Jesus lately? Somebody somewhere talked about Jesus, his compassion, how he accepted people, his teaching, something about a, a forgiveness that would allow anyone to come into God's presence, his touch, the power to heal his eyes, how he saw you. She had heard about Jesus, and so she came. Hearing wasn't enough. She came. She almost couldn't get to him because of the crowd. Sometimes the crowd keeps people from Jesus. You know, that's one of the reasons I think why it's so important for us to love our neighbors all the way to Jesus, one-on-one, because sometimes the crowd is a wall that keeps people from Jesus. And if that's you, if you've let the crowd of church folks, of hypocrites, of judgmental people, of a church that at times seems powerless, if, if you've begun to disconnect and if that's you, I just I want to gently challenge you to follow the woman's example because at some point she must have said, I, I don't care what others think. I won't let my impurity keep me from wholeness. I, I won't let my past keep me from his future. I won't let the crowd keep me from following Jesus. I will not let people keep me from a, a life-giving connection with Jesus. This may be a hard word, but please don't hear it as a harsh word. We can blame our circumstances and the crowd all we want, but until we get our eyes off the crowd and on Jesus, until we decide that we will not let anything keep us from getting closer to Christ, everything will keep us from getting closer to Christ. She heard about Jesus. She came to Jesus and she touched. She she didn't come boldly. <laughs> Understand this? This was not a holy spiritual giant or an intimate intercessor. She snuck in the back way. She was not even another face in the crowd, just a faceless hand groping for hope. She said, "I have nothing to give, and I don't need a lot. If I could just touch even the hem of your garment, I think I could be healed." And she was. But that's not all. And in fact, that's not even the main thing. She was healed. But the main thing is Jesus saw her. He acknowledged her presence, and face to face, he called her daughter. You realize it's the only recorded time in the scripture that Jesus calls any woman, anywhere, daughter. For 12 years, people have avoided her. For They've moved to the other side of the street when they saw her coming. For 12 years, people have stared at her, but she's never been seen. For 12 years, she's wondered if she could ever have a family. And Jesus looks at her with kindness in his eyes and says, I want you to be in my family. He gave her a family. Listen to me. I don't know if God will choose to heal you or the people you love, but with all my heart, I know this. He wants you. He wants your neighbors, your coworkers, your family to be a part of his family. You know, we started with that prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, where it says that God is able to do far more than we ask for or can even imagine. And I said, I believe with all my heart that God right now not only can do, he is doing right now, he is doing more than you can imagine. It's a prayer in scripture. But this this woman's coming from behind and touching the robe of Jesus' garment, that was also a prayer. Sometimes we have these bold prayers, God, do that more that I I can't even imagine, do more than I can imagine. And And sometimes our prayer is nothing more than coming up from behind Jesus and touching his robe. I don't know if God will choose to heal you or the people you love, but with all my heart, I know this. He wants you. He wants your neighbors, your coworkers, your family to be a part of his family. 
Listen again as I read Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 34 from the paraphrase, the message, and, and then I want to pray for us. After Jesus crossed over by boat, a large crowd met him at the seaside. One of the meeting place leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell to his knees beside himself as he begged, My dear daughter is at death's door. Come and lay hands on her so she'll get well and live. Jesus went with him, the whole crowd tagging along, pushing and jostling him. Now a woman who had suffered a condition of hemorrhaging for 12 years, a long succession of physicians had treated her and treated her badly, taking all her money and leaving her worse off than before. But this woman had heard about Jesus. So she slipped in from behind and touched his robe. She was thinking to herself, if I can just put a finger on his robe, I can get well. And the moment she did it, the flow of blood dried up. She could feel the change and she knew her plague was over and done with. At the same moment, Jesus felt energy, healing energy, just charging from him. He, he turned around to the crowd and asked, do touch my robe. His disciples said, what are you talking about with this crowd pushing and jostling you? you you're asking you to touch me? Dozens have touched you. But he went on asking, looking around to see who had done it. And the woman, knowing what had happened, knowing she was the one, stepped up in fear and trembling and knelt before him and gave him the whole story. And Jesus said to her daughter, daughter, you took a risk of faith and now you're healed and whole. Live well, live blessed, be healed of your plague. Jesus, I pray for each and every person listening, especially those who can so deeply identify with this woman. Walls of the of people have kept her away. Walls of, of shame have kept him away. Walls of discouragement have, have kept us away. God, I, I pray that we would not quit. I pray for each person listening, that if they feel disconnected, if they feel like they're disconnected from people, and even more importantly from you, that they will not quit, that they will come to you, that they will come to you even from behind and and just a prayer that just reaches out for a touch of a finger on a robe. And Jesus, I, I pray that that you will heal, that you will connect, that you will bring friends and family around um, each and every person listening. I, I pray that you will wipe away the shame and I, I pray that you will give hope instead of discouragement. I pray that you will heal, God, but more than anything, I pray that you will heal our relationships, our community, our families, as you draw us into your family. And it's your name, Jesus, the great healer. It's in your name, the, the one who heals us, brings us into community. It's in your name we pray. Amen.